this episode is brought to you by my free What's Working Guide. If you want to download some tips on what is working right now in 2022 from both myself and other real-life indoor playground owners who are currently working to launch or grow their business, head to michellecarawana.com slash what's working or simply click the link in the show notes or episode description. You'll get the free tips delivered right to your inbox. Download my What's Working Guide right now. If you own or manage an indoor play center or really any business that serves local kids and families, and you want to operate with more ease and joy all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for small but mighty tips every weekday that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play-based business. All right, playmakers. So something I often hear from indoor playground owners I work with, either in a one-to-one consult or inside Playmaker Society, which is my membership for indoor playground owners, is that pricing can be one of the most difficult aspects of our business. I've talked in previous episodes specifically about cafe and birthday party pricing and how to price based on the profit margin calculation and take much of the guesswork out of it, but what about for the services we're providing that don't necessarily have direct costs associated with them, making us unable to utilize that profit margin calculation? So for example, how can we price something like open play? And just as a quick reminder, even if you listen to those previous episodes, there are a few definitions that I want to make sure I put out there before we get into this episode, just to make sure it's crystal clear. First is one I already mentioned, and that is a direct cost. So a direct cost is a cost that can be directly tied to the production and sale of specific goods and services. So An example of this is food that you purchase for a specific birthday party. So this is not a cost you're incurring unless you're making a sale. Another example is if you sell a retail toy. Your direct cost is the cost that you pay to the manufacturer for that item. And then obviously your profit is going to be the difference between that direct cost and whatever the customer paid. Operating costs are the ongoing expenses incurred from normal day-to-day of running a business. So these are costs that you incur whether or not you have any sales or customers. These are also sometimes referred to as overhead costs. Examples of operating costs are your rent, your point of sale system, monthly fee, whatever you pay for that, any salaried employees, utilities, things like that. The bills that just keep on coming whether your business is generating income or not. Finally, opportunity costs can be defined by the loss of potential gain from other alternatives when one alternative is chosen. And this is probably the most difficult one to really wrap your head around. I mean, I have a master's degree in economics and it took me so long to actually understand this concept of opportunity costs. But an example for the indoor playground industry specifically is if you have set and consistent open play hours 
an opportunity cost would be the ability to book a birthday party during that time. So by being open for open play, you're giving up that opportunity to host a birthday party and all that potential revenue. So that's an opportunity cost. So how do these three definitions fit into this episode? Well, one thing that I won't be doing in this episode is telling you exactly how to price for open play. And this is not really me gatekeeping or anything like that. It's for good reason. So the first reason is that your open play price will vary wildly based on your area and the cost of living, plus your competitive landscape. I offer a lot of advice on specific pricing strategies inside of Play Cafe Academy, but it's honestly way too complicated for this quick daily podcast. And I've already put out a bunch of longer episodes this week, and it's just not a topic that's easily covered or conveyed in an audio-only format. And I don't want anyone ending this episode feeling confused. Now, I do talk about pricing your memberships and how to create a best-selling membership offer on this podcast, so I'll link to that episode, but that's because it's much easier to assign a concrete value to a membership offer than it is to an open play pass because you can include things with actual prices like direct costs, like coffee or a certain number of bring a friend passes or visits per month. And the second reason I won't be covering open play pricing in detail here is because honestly, it should not be a make or break decision in your business. If you've been following me for any length of time, you'll know how strongly I believe in not relying heavily on open play for any significant chunk of your revenue for your indoor playground business. And honestly, it's not difficult to change up your pricing. If you put one open play price out there and it's not working, it's an aspect of your business that you can easily pivot. So again, I'm not going to cover it in too much details. You guys know we basically treated open play as an audition for birthday parties in our indoor playground. So our main goal with pricing was to, yes, be competitive with other play spaces in our area. We didn't want to be totally out of line either more expensive or less expensive, but we also wanted to attract the right customers that might be interested in booking a future party with us. Since there are not many, if any, direct costs associated with selling an open play pass, we mainly priced our overhead or we mainly priced with our overhead and opportunity costs in mind. And our goal when we were open for open play, like I said, was not necessarily to get any certain number of people in the door daily, though that was icing on the cake when we did have a really busy day. Our goal was instead to hit our ideal number of birthday bookings from this traffic and our online traffic and all of our ads and things like that. Because icing is great, but birthday revenue was our bread and butter. Our business could have survived without open play, but only if that did not cause a dip in birthday bookings. But anyway, back to the topic of today's episode. Today, I actually want to give you a tip on how to increase the perceived value of an open play pass in your business because many indoor playground owners have difficulty conveying the value included with a pass or justifying it to their customers because As I mentioned in the beginning, there is not a true direct cost that they can point to. Like, for example, if somebody asks, 
why a toy is a specific price, you can say, well, the direct cost is this, and we also have to cover our overhead costs and everything else that we have to pay in order to operate our business. And real quick, one more definition for you today is real value versus perceived value. In basic terms, the real or actual value is what a product is actually worth, which again is a little bit tricky with open play passes, without any outside expectations from the consumer or seller. Perceived or intangible value is what customers think or feel the product is actually worth. I'm sure there will be more episodes about this, but one policy that really helped us increase the perceived value of our open play pass was making our pass usable for the entire day and even allowing someone to decide to leave and come back later without being charged again. And I know many places are still doing ticketed play in time slots, and that's absolutely fine if it's working. I'm always a big fan of not fixing what isn't broken, but I've noticed more and more businesses reverting back to traditional open play, so I wanted to share this tip anyways. It doesn't cost you much, if anything, to allow people to leave and come back to your space during open play. And I can't tell you how many people were so surprised and delighted that they were able to, especially if they were struggling to justify paying for open play to themselves. I mean, a lot of people just have a hard time justifying a $15 spend on something intangible like play, even though we know as business owners that it's so valuable to child's development and things like that. But here's the thing, even though we got so, so, so much positive feedback about this policy, both in person and on social media and in our reviews, it was honestly very rarely utilized by our customers. I think I can count on two hands how many times someone actually came back to play after leaving. And when they did ask to come back later and actually came back, it was usually because their first visit was interrupted and they likely had a poor experience that was able to be remedied and fixed by coming back. So either there were a ton of crowds or their child had a tantrum or an accident or was getting too close to nap time or something like that. So here are a few reasons why this policy really worked, even though people very rarely used it. So number one, like I already mentioned, it really helps people justify the cost of an open play pass because it increases what people feel the value is. Number two, it really decreased decreased the requests that we got for refunds. So previously, when a child would have a tantrum or if it was just super busy and the parent didn't feel comfortable staying, we would get a lot of requests for refunds. But when we instead say, you know, We don't really offer refunds, but you're free to come back later in the afternoon. We're open all the way until four. That usually really appeased them and, like I said, remedied the situation. And we were a lot less crowded in the afternoon. So a lot of times that would be enough to prevent that refund and not just prevent the loss of revenue, but also turn a negative experience for a customer into a really positive one. And honestly, like I said, our spaces were generally very slow in the afternoon. So it's not like there were causing like a huge clog of additional open play customers in the afternoon anyways. And then number three, it really helped when we were extra crowded. So 
if, again, I noticed somebody was having a really poor or negative experience due to crowds, sometimes sometimes I would literally just tap them on the shoulder and say, hey, did you know that you can actually leave, do nap time or lunch or something like that and come back when it's a little bit less crowded in the afternoon? Again, just them noticing that I noticed that they weren't really comfortable or their child was a little bit overwhelmed, just me noticing or my staff noticing and going that extra mile to explain that policy really helped prevent any negative reviews or negative experience or negative social media posts or anything like that. It just was one extra way of showing that we really cared. And then lastly, number four, parents rarely battled out tantrums or anything like that in our space. Because again, if I saw that somebody was struggling, I would do a couple different things. I would direct them to our little trinket toy bucket that I talked about in a previous episode, or I would direct them to the quiet corner, or I would say, hey, if you're really struggling and your child's having a bad day, you know, we all have bad days even as adults. You're welcome to regroup, leave, have lunch, nap, go to a playground, whatever you'd like to do, and then come back later when it's a little less crowded or your child's in a better headspace or if you're in a better headspace, whatever the case may be. So that turned into a better experience, not just for the family who was dealing with a tantrum or a meltdown, but it turned a positive experience for everyone involved because it's always tough as parents to listen to other kids meltdown. Sometimes it can trigger other tantrums or sometimes it can just make the whole situation loud or uncomfortable. So it was a win-win for both us, for the parents that were having a difficult time, and for all the other customers in our space. So Again, allowing people to leave and come back with one open play pass or allowing your open play pass to be available all day for use is one way to really justify your open play pricing to your customers. And one more thing I wanted to mention is that because we catered to generally the under five crowd, people weren't really staying for hours and hours. And even if they did come play, leave and come back, they probably weren't playing for more than let's say a cumulative of three hours. So if your space really caters to older children, like up to 12, 13 years old that have a lot more stamina, then yeah, allowing people to leave and come back might create more of an issue unless you do things like serve food or things like that. So you have some things for people to kind of do in that gap period, but this is a decision that you obviously want to evaluate and make for your own business, but for us as a smaller indoor play center without a full food menu, so we didn't have those lunch options available for, for people to enjoy lunch in our space and then go back into the play area, um, because we were that smaller format space, again, without a full menu, catering to that younger age group, this really, really worked for us. And like I said, we got so much positive feedback about it. All right, Playmakers, have a wonderful day. I hope this tip was helpful. And just a quick reminder, tomorrow is the last episode that I'm going to take a break for a couple weeks, and this podcast will be back in August. So this is your chance to catch up on all your plays of the day. So your play of the day for this episode is to really think about this policy and see if it might be able to work in your business and help you justify your open play pricing. All right, have a wonderful day, guys. I will be right back here tomorrow with another